You are currently listening to Opening Up with Rachel Smith, an encouraging, light-hearted and uplifting podcast to inspire you on this journey called life. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Opening Up with Rachel Smith. I am very excited about this podcast today because I've got two very special guests, Emily and Bobbin. Emily and Bobbin are two people I worked with during my time participating in the Camp America program, which if you're not quite sure what Camp America is, it's essentially a summer program where people from around the world get placed onto camps within the USA. And in return for your skill set and your help during the summer in whatever type of camp that you are placed on, the camp provides you accommodation and food for the summer. There's a variety of different camps, there's girl guides, there's underprivileged, there's religious, there's pretty much anything you can think of, there will be a camp for it in America and Emily, Bobbin and I were on a Girl Scout camp in Wisconsin and I just thought it would be quite nice to share our stories for anybody who might be thinking of participating in the Camp America program or maybe just wants a bit more of an insight into what it is and just how it helped shape us as people and also how it has then led to all three of us going to travel more further afield around the world in various different ways. Just before I introduce Emily and Bobbin, all of my podcasts are written up into blog posts. So if podcasts aren't your thing or if you don't have enough time to listen, you can go over to my website www.rachelsmith1.co.uk and you will find all my podcasts in blog form. And if there's any links that you don't find in the description below, they will be in the blog post. So make sure you go over there and check it out. Welcome to the podcast, Emily and Bobbin. Hey! Hello, hello. <laughs> Thanks so much for having us. Oh, of course. <laughs> Anytime. You know we're always down for talking about camp, so <laughs> it was only inevitable that one day you were going to be on the podcast. Aww. Um, so just quickly, tell me a little bit about yourselves, where you're from, how we met. Um, obviously, it's camp, but just tell me a little more about you. So I'm Abby, um, but my camp name was Bobbin and it's kind of stuck with me um, since camp. And um, I live in Essex and I've just come back from an, from an adventure in New Zealand. And yeah. Emily? Um, yes, hello. I'm, my name is Emily. My camp name was Sleeper because I think I must have slept um, on the, from the journey from the airport to camp like everyone does and they looked at me and went oh, well your name's sleeper so that's stuck for some reason um and yeah I live in Gloucestershire um in the UK and yeah really looking forward to chatting today about all sorts of things and and tra- working traveling abroad and um yeah all of that amazing and um, so just quickly I know we all referenced our camp names my camp name was swimmer and the reason why we had camp names was because on our camp they we weren't allowed to tell our campers our real names so we all had to come up with a camp name and obviously Abby's was Bobbin Emily's was sleeper and mine was swimmer and sleepers just mentioned why hers was sleeper but mine was swimmer because I was a good swimmer and Bobbin why was your name Bobbin um, because I was studying at university at the time and I was studying costume, a costume degree where I was doing a lot of sewing and a bobbin is on a sewing machine. So it all just kind of made sense. So generally your camp name, um, 
is in some sort of reference to something about you and your life. So just to clear that up, if we happen to say bobbin or sleeper, then you know why. We're not <laughs> it's so random. It's so random that they couldn't call us by our real names. I'd never even considered that as like a strange scenario that we had to have fake names. And why? Because they all found out eventually anyway. Well, we did that thing, didn't we? On the last day of camp, the last day the campers stayed there, we all had to say a little rhyme to make people guess our oh, real names. I don't remember that. Do you not? I yeah. And yeah, I do remember. And one of my favourite things about um, kind of the campers in general was how when they heard that we were from England, they thought we knew the Queen. And yeah, I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was one of you two or if it was Gumbo. And we totally convinced them that we was at the royal wedding. <laughs> and they just totally <laughs> fell for it. But anyway, that's totally sidetracking. Um, so as we've kind of mentioned... We're just going to be talking all things camp. So we actually went out with a program called Camp America. And how did we meet at the camp fairs or did we meet just because we knew we were going to the same camp? I don't remember. Um, I'm not sure. I remember meeting at the airport for sure. Yeah. I definitely met I definitely met you at the airport. Did you fly yeah. out together, you two? We must have yeah. done. With Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I, I think I was out there a week before you. Um, yes, and then more experience role than us, right? Even though you lied. Oh yeah, <laughs> I had I had way much more experience than you, considering <laughs> we were all eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> and the way I, I got it. The, yeah, and the way I got the job was that we there was a recruitment fair to start with in London, and yeah. that say it was in like I don't know November, November time, and I was convinced because I was an eighteen year old and thought that the world. Um. I was deserving of it. Um, I thought that I would just walk along, get a job, and it'd be fine. But there was a huge queue. They were um, so was... recruitment fairs. Mm, yeah, it was really, I remember, really difficult. I remember going, I went with my mum, and she lent me her, she took her thermals off and lent them to me because I was in the queue shivering. Oh, no. So <laughs> I actually went, I'm from Manchester, and I went down to London for both of mine. And the first time I didn't get any offers, which I was really sad about, time I got offered and I kind of jumped at it straight away because I felt like I was never going to get offers because I just exactly the same yeah exactly the same I did two fairs as well and they were really quite uh there's a lot of queuing and a lot of people were like didn't like that I was 18 they wanted Mm -hmm. you to be 19 or 21 yeah Uh, which kind of makes sense because we were some of our campers were were like 13 15 Mm -hmm. so I mean really the age difference is nothing when you think about it yeah. yeah, and obviously the that legal age for drinking and et cetera is 21 in America. Not or because, being in a... hmm? <laughs> Not because we went over there for that, obviously. Or maybe that's not <laughs> no. what I meant to say. Wait, hold on. I mean <laughs> to say the age yeah. of being an adult. <laughs> it's fine, yeah. obviously. I, I'd also, re- um, if there's anyone listening to this that is wanting to, you know, go and, and w- work and live abroad, and if you're going to go to a recruitment fair, I would dress for the job. Because the yeah. first time I went, I went quite smart. And I actually, you're going to love this. I actually wore a fur coat, which <laughs> who I don't know who I thought I was. <laughs> whereas I turned up and like everyone was looking at me like, who do you think you are? So like jeans and a maybe I had mm-hmm. like a blouse on. Jeans, nice top. Yeah. Yeah. Jeans, um, yeah. yeah so that's <laughs> How can you remember? Time. I have no idea. I'm just mm-hmm. guessing because that's my personality. <laughs> yeah. 
so but then the second time it was like I arrived three hours early and I was one of the first people in the queue and I just ran to, to, to just the first desk I could see and and just was like yeah I, I and all the jobs were like gone it was absolutely ridiculous and yeah, it was like on the chalkboard it was like the yeah. last one I met didn't I meet you guys at the recruitment fair that's how I, you met I think you I think I met you for sure because I, 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 I was one of the first people in as well because I got there really, really early. I was waiting outside for yeah. hours and I literally just went straight in. Um, but I think when I sat down to talk to Chip, the camp leader, um, I was the first one that day because right. you hadn't right. hired the, um, what was your role? Adventurer. Don't know, Trek leader. Trek, Trek leader. I don't know. They hadn't hired them yet because I remember I was the first one of the day. And then I waited around because she said, Look, I'm going to hire a few more people today. Wait around and then we can all meet. Uh, That's okay. lovely. I'm sure I'm at liberty at the, the fair, but I don't remember meeting you two. I could have sworn I met you there, Rach. I could have sworn I did. Now. Yeah. And then because I really wanted like an adventure sort of job. And then one of the last ones on there was kayak instructor. So I, like. I loved kayaking. Oh my God, <laughs> I love kayaking. I uh, never sat in a kayak in my life and somehow got the job role of kayak uh, trek leader. Um, so then I had to go and learn how to kayak a few months before. <laughs> um, and it was great. And I did, I was the kayak instructor. <laughs> you to lie at all we don't condone lying <laughs> absolutely not no but um, I she asked me if I could cook over an open fire and I was like yeah go <laughs> do it all the time I've done it so many times before and then I remember just going and being like I hope I don't get there and they're like hey, well here you go I would be <laughs> so clueless so just quickly for anyone listening who might be a little bit confused when we're talking about kayaks and fires we was actually on a girl scout camp so it was an all girls camp um, there was actually two male leaders, but everybody outside of that was all female. And it was a very, obviously, outdoorsy, anything that the Girl Scouts would do. So kayaking, hiking, archery, swimming. What else did we do? We did loads Horseback of Horseback riding. Oh, oh yeah. Horse, horse trick. Was... Did you go on a horse trick? I went on the first. I, that was my first I... trip. And I hated it because I just couldn't ride that horse no, neither could I. <laughs> me, ride me too horse. I got there and they were like right you you go up the back in case anyone like comes off or anything <laughs> and I was like I've never ridden a horse I don't know what I'm doing and I was with a bunch of 12 year olds and they were be way better than me they'd ridden horses way more it was really silly god that is funny walking that were like like hiking like trekking was yeah. one wasn't it I think I think if anyone has the reference of watching The Parent Trap um, yeah. with Lindsay Lohan, that is what it was like, but not as fancy. Oh, yeah. Such a <laughs> budget was a lot less for our camp, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But it had, like, it's, it had its own lake and we had an art building, um, mm -hmm. a canteen, um, an, yeah, an archery area different accommodation areas so one was like wooden yurts one was are they called platform tents the yeah big hey, tents. You! how do you remember that how do you not remember that they were so cold <laughs> and yeah, those spiders i just remember massive spiders in those platform tents yeah. i honestly would prefer to sleep outside than in those tents sleep under the stars <laughs> yeah. it was horrible they were horrible yeah Dark. no I no electricity night 
or one morning, should I say, because the platform tents were blackout, I don't know how it was so black, me and I think it was Button just completely slept through everything. And one of our campers actually ran back from breakfast to tell us that she got all our campers to breakfast and we were still just like fast asleep <laughs> in a <the> tent. <laughs> I remember being in there and we pushed the beds to, from the side of the tent. I don't know who, we are, who I was with. Pushed the tent into the, middle. the side of the tent into the middle because there were spiders and stuff all crawling up the side or... or and a bit broke once and someone's bed fell down. It was yours. Was it mine? I, it, was, it was yours because I have a picture of you like half on the floor. <laughs> like how do I get up out of this? Because the platform tent, obviously, if you'd have gone to one side, you'd have been on the floor. Oh, yeah, it was me. I, rem- I remember that <laughs> happening. <laughs> that was so funny. I do remember that. I, so I, would cool. do, I would do anything I can to not sleep in those tents. Yeah, it was, was horrible. It was they were horrible. Hmm? Was it successful or no? Well, I I because my job role meant I was quite I was off the site quite a lot, whereas you guys were on the camp a little bit more. Um, and sometimes uh, Bobbin, did we ever do a camp? Did we ever do a trek together? Um, I don't think we did. I don't think I did. I did one, but it wasn't with you. No. I think they tried to keep all the English people separate within American over there when me and Gumbo went and we went on a bike trail and oh, we just biking, had no yeah. idea where we were going because we were two <laughs> English people. That... So essentially a trek for our um, camp was where two leaders would take a group of children on a specific um, trek. So it could be biking, kayaking, canoeing, whatever it was. And the idea was that they would drive you an hour up to like four hours away from camp I think it was they would dump you with a load of stuff and let you go for a week or two weeks and then they would pick you up exactly (laughs) it's so bizarre it's so bizarre you'd leave like 20 young children with two 18 year olds in the middle of nowhere I just right especially me and Bumbo two English people with a load of American children and we literally had just physical maps like no sat navs like it was a physical <laughs> map i remember they gave you one emergency like nokia phone in the yes. first aid kit and that was it that was all we had yes but it's and- yeah it's true we had no there was none of this like iphones and social media and none of that i just remember being in shock because they made us do some sort of well they did we did obviously did first aid training and they were just like if someone's passed out and you're giving them CPR and you think you're too tired, then just stop and wait there to wait there till yeah. they stop breathing and then you go on. And I was thinking, what? I don't want to do that. Their health and safety was a whole different thing compared to ours. I can't believe it. Now I look back, it's actually crazy. <laughs> the, the main the main reason as well, by the way, that we did these treks is so the Girl Scouts could sign their um, certificate so they could earn their badge so like if it was like a five-day trek of horse riding whereas the next year they'd come back and they'd do like a 10-day trek but we would be the ones to sign that they did it which is just mental and a lot of the time they would teach us right like they would show us how to do things I just remember you had to do stuff like um throwing the rope over the tree and putting all your food up the tree yeah yeah, because yeah. so where we were was in Wisconsin, so it was very rural and there was a lot of bears around. So one of the things we had to do on trails was, is it called a bear cache? It's called a bear Yeah, caching your you food. Yeah. Put this rope over the, the tree and then you had this special bag and you have to 
hang your food essentially up high so the bears couldn't get to it. I forgot about that. <laughs> there was one <laughs> day, so I should have been the most responsible person there. And apologies, <laughs> but I, I, I wasn't. So that's that. Um, and on one of the nights, and the reason it might sound quite obvious to the listeners, but the reason you put your food up the tree is so the bear doesn't smell that food and then come into your area of the campsite. Um, but on the last night, I thought, well, there's no food left because we've eaten it all. We're getting picked up in the morning. So, and I wanted the girls to have like the best time. And I was like, look, and it was a massive faff to have to do it. So I was like, look, there's only like little bits and bobs. The, there's only like little bits and bobs left over. So like, don't worry about washing up. We'll do it all in the morning. So on camp, you had these little metal tins that you would just eat every meal out of. It was absolutely horrific. You'd have the same dish. Like little tins. <laughs> you'd have the same bowl for breakfast, lunch and dinner. You'd wash it in the lake or in the river. Like it was just, yeah. And you drink water from the river as well, which we'll chat about in a sec. But um, uh, and on the last night we did pizzas over the fire, which, by the way, is incredible that you can actually do that. Pizzas, mm-hmm. like you remember Coca Cola chicken as well. Yeah, it's so weird. Mm. My mum was talking about that. She's been making it at home. Oh, really? Well, not with ketchup, but well, yeah. similar vibe. Amazing. Um, yeah, and then and then that night I was in the tent with Meep who was another co-counsellor who was absolutely awesome and she should have been a trek leader, to be honest. Um, And we were in the tent together because you're not allowed to sleep in the same accommodation, obviously, as the girls. But they were in a couple of tents just around us, around the picnic table where all the dirty crockery was. And in the middle of the night, all I hear is Meep banging me on the shoulder going, Emily, or sleeper, there is a bear outside the tent. (laughs) And... Honestly, I was listening to a podcast the other day that was like, what's your scariest moment? And I think for me, that would have been my scariest moment in my life was the inevitable has happened. You know, you you, you uh-huh. really need to cash your food and you and you pop your hands up a tree. Food, or there wasn't any food. It was like literally crumbs. Yeah, like sauce, you know, like bits of like sauce from the pizza, some cheese. And it was just this massive, all I remember is this clatter, this clatter of all these pots and pans. And I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm going to die. And I really thought, I honestly thought, these girls, it's my responsibility. Probably for like, what, like five seconds, you know, like I was really scared for like a short space of time. So I thought, oh, I'll put the, do, you know, your uh, sleeping bag hood. I pulled that up over my head, pulled the toggle. So I just had a small little space because I thought, well, the bear won't be able to smell me then. And then I thought, if the bear goes over to my girls. <laughs> Sorry, say again. I said, because that sleeping bag is bear proof. <laughs> you know. It's so silly, isn't it? I thought if if the bear goes over to the girls, I'm going to have to start making a noise and telling him to come over here, or she, he, he or she. It's 2021, um, and tell the bear to come this way because it's my job to protect these girls. And um, Meep, who obviously lives in America, lives in Wisconsin, obviously knows how to deal with this sort of thing. So, like, kind of took control of the situation, bless her. And he just got bored and then started plodding out of the uh, plodding out of our little area. And I just, I will never forget the sound of those paws hitting the ground. He was that, he was so close to our tent, like, you know, literally outside of it. And I could just see this big shadow go by and <sighs> didn't, didn't sleep for the rest of that night. And in the morning, they were like, let's go, girls. They were like, what was that sound in the middle of the night? It's like, let's move, let's go, let's pack up. <laughs> okay, let's go. <gasps> Awful. You can have near-death experiences. Can we talk about when I nearly died on the Chippewa Flowage? Let's do it. Yeah, I feel like my story is like way not to you know 
discredit your story or anything but like (laughs) um so I went on a canoe trek with one of the counselors called Button I don't really know how to describe it It it's called a chipper of flowers which is essentially like a massive lake with loads of tiny islands inside the lake and our trek was to canoe between the islands in the day and then obviously cook and eat and all that kind of stuff um evening where it was a tornado what right it was a a massive massive thunderstorm yeah and we were on this island in the middle of the chipper flowage with i think seven 12 year olds something like that yeah and all the trees around us started falling down and breaking because the winds were so strong and at one point I can see you laughing Emily <laughs> no I'm looking at Bobbin she's laughing I know oh, it's because it's funny it's, it's not it's funny. nervous it's, it's nerve-wracking yeah it's so scary we um, were scared of you on camp on camp yeah. we were all like oh my god is Rachel and Buttons okay because no, we were really worried about you. No, we only found out about the storm because they had rang the camp because it yeah, hit yeah. you guys like a few hours before it. or an hour before. And then I just remember, was it in the night time? Yeah. yeah. And, we and then they were like, what are you talking about? And we were like, yeah. Had like tornado, like the trees are all falling around down us. Like everybody's freaking out. <gasps> yeah, because at camp, we got, I remember getting woken up and they were like, right, you've got to wake your kids up now. And we've all got to go to the basement. Um, like, now like get them up now and I remember getting up I was looking after five-year-olds that week and I was like come on guys bring your teddies <laughs> we're going for a little sleepover in the basement and we're all in the basement but it already hit you guys and the doors were swinging off the um huts and I don't know what it was like for you it must have been terrifying oh it was so scary and I have this picture of this tree that I couldn't even get my arms around like not even halfway and it was like two inches away from our tent and if it was any closer we would have been squished to death 100 percent. did it fall over yeah like yeah. this one yeah. massive tree was right next to our tent and then the whole island was full of trees and like i'd say about 60 percent of the trees would fall fell down in the wind that's mental i think you've got a photo of that haven't you somewhere yeah i have i'll try and dig yeah. it out and put it on my instagram when i upload yeah it. No, but I do remember you being upset when you came back because you, like, yeah. you were like, that was really dangerous and I can't believe they yeah. didn't ring to tell us about it was coming. Yeah, but the thing is, like you just said before, it hit us before it hit the camp, so there was no way of them... Which, again, makes it scary with the whole trail or trek situation because it was like, how can you just dump people in the middle of nowhere and then you literally had to fend for yourself. But also, um, like, obviously really happy this didn't happen but say the worst did happen and you two were really hurt you're with uh, seven 12 year olds like what are they gonna do it was that bad they um there was like a rescue boat that came around to like check and give people supplies because we just completely <gasps> everything. really yeah. i didn't know that yeah there was a rescue boat that came around it's like a little like a motorboat there was a woman on it um it was a good like two hours after or like once it had all finished um and she came around and she was like giving out supplies because everything in our tent was soaked and all the tent the tent poles were all broken the tents had all clapped in on us and everything i can't I believe did not it. know that this is not a nice <laughs> camp story <laughs> i know yeah sorry i feel like we've totally just gone away from the good stories of camp but let's go back to some good stories about camp tell me something that you remember from camp that you really enjoy um 
I know this is going to sound really cheesy, but you guys, like, honestly, if anyone, anyone Aww. like listening to this, well, like friends and making genuinely mm-hmm. like lifelong friends, um, it it is so worth it. Even if it isn't America that you go to, there's camps all over the world that you can do. Obviously, mm-hmm. America's got its own, you know, pros and cons. It, you know, it's a very much developed country, and there's yeah. other places out there that you can experience a lot more different cultures and things, but honestly going going abroad and working as as you're traveling is probably one of the best things but also yeah meeting meeting you guys and having amazing fun fantastic times together was was the best part about it all the the bad you know the good outweighs the bad yeah, yeah. i feel like it's uh just full experience and especially us guys we got to be outside all the time and be so in nature um mm-hmm. And be creative. Like you had to think of ways to entertain these kids all the time. Like lots of games. Obviously, all the camp songs. I used to really enjoy the campfires. Yeah. And you know, we get up and did little skits and little scenes, which yeah. you wouldn't do in normal life. But you yeah. just have to do it. You just put yourself out there, and it's so fun. Love singing um, at like the meal times as well. Like certain camp counselors having to get up at the front singing, and you just had to be a complete idiot essentially but it was all part of the fun yeah how how random is that every day after dinner we'd nominate someone to stand up in front of the the indoors in that in the canteen and sing a song and everyone would have to join in wouldn't we yeah it was so fun I used to love it it used to be really exciting and everyone joins in because you have to you know yeah yeah um and your group so every every week you all every two weeks you got allocated like a group of children so obviously everyone, you know, looks after everyone, but your group would look up to you. So if you're not being enthusiastic dancing around, then they're not going to do it. Yeah. So you you have that responsibility to be silly and a bit out there because otherwise they're not going to get involved. Um, so that was something that I felt, you know, oh, come on, just put yourself out there. It doesn't matter. Who cares? You know, everyone's yeah. doing the same thing right now. So when you were kind of up on that platform watching them. Yeah. And even just having to plan their schedules each week, like on a... Monday morning we would have yeah. to at the weekend obviously make sure that um, we could fit all the certain activities in that they or their parents had paid to do and I just remember that being so stressful because say like I needed to do archery five times a week if archery was booked up at the times that I wanted to do it I just remember panicking because I was like I need to get archery <laughs> this week <laughs> yeah I, rem- I remember that because you had to there were certain things you could only do with people that were like trained lifeguards as yeah. well so everyone would be like, are you free then? Are you doing this then? And you're just like, oh, I can't. I feel like I can't please everyone. Yeah, I do remember that being so stressful. And also, like, the first couple hours when the campers had arrived and then we had to do all, like, the health and safety checks and we had to go down to the lake and do the swim tests and things like that. I just remember it being so stressful those first few hours. The swim test, like, as the weeks got on, I'm not very good at being strict with older kids. So I think I got given the five-year-olds a lot at the end, especially. <laughs> I just got the young ones because I could be like, oh, the goblins will get you. No, just kidding. <laughs> get you. Um, I, um, I remember when we when we did our lifeguard test on, on camp, like there is probably in many other camps out there, is, is a huge lake. But it was, well, was it a lake? Yeah, it was a yeah, lake. Yeah. Um, yeah a man-made lake but part of it was segregated off with some like decking around it so it was kind of like an outdoor swimming pool um and I remember when we did our um lifeguarding course before all the girls got there uh, do you guys remember this where you had to go down and it was like 
you were searching for a child or yeah. someone yeah, who, who had drowned. At the what's it called? Um, <laughs> you had to go down onto the base base of the I don't know lake. I don't know what you call it. The yeah. bed, which was by the way black thick gunk. Yeah, and oh. you had to all go down. There's about twenty of you in a line, and you had to kind of like link arms as well. A- Oh. take a big deep breath take a big deep breath and go all the way down to the bottom trudge around pat around to see if you could yeah. feel like a bit of dummy or a, I think we obviously had a dummy and someone up you come and then everyone move along a little bit go down again and it yeah. was just I mean you come out covered in thick greeny dark gunk and I remember dreading doing that every week and no do you know what that that, that that was a missing persons drill that's it and do you remember we, we yeah. used to when we first got to camp, we had to practice what it was like to look after a uh, look after someone and not lose sight of them. So we had to make sock puppets, and <laughs> we couldn't let them out of our sight. And the camp the camp owners kept trying to steal them off us without us looking. And then they stole one off someone, and they were like, "It's an emergency! A camper's gone missing!" So we all had to go in in our clothes in the lake. Yeah, I yeah. That. It's good though that they did that. Oh, it's good yeah especially like a bit of culture shock anyway to then have to do something like that you just I personally didn't think I would ever have to do that yeah yeah exactly I think we we're all just chilling having dinner like by the campfire and then all of a sudden it was like sirens were going and you'd be like oh my god it's only a drill but <laughs> but, but, but but actually deep down you were probably thinking oh come on concentrate here because this genuinely could happen and I think it possibly did happen I don't think anyone drowned but didn't I don't you remember did have one halfway through camp yes and yeah, I did. Someone, someone did go missing right on the yeah. other side of camp and having to sprint because our camp was huge it had load of land yeah. and I, I couldn't run at the best of times but I remember having to sprint like two miles just to get to <laughs> missing camper drill and then it was something ridiculous like it, it definitely wasn't a missing camper and I was so annoyed no. at the time. <laughs> I thought so I thought a camper had walked off or something but it was only it was not far like they were yeah. in the camp still and... 100% someone went missing and it was a little bit of a panic, I think, probably, for a bit of a while. But it wasn't any of ours, so it was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're so responsible. We are responsible, of course we are. Yeah. But we were only, we were just 18. I mean, you know, mentally, we were maybe still children ourselves. It was amazing. I turned 19 on camp. Oh, no, I turned 19 on camp. Yeah, we yeah. all turned 19 on camp because mm-hmm. we'd all, yeah, that was the, we're all the same year. Are you June? We? You're June, Rachel. Yeah. June, yeah. Yeah, I'm July and you're August. And I'm August. That's so weird. <laughs> Birthday every month. I forgot about that. And then also we had the leeches, which um if you're gonna go to America, you're gonna have to get used to different wildlife. I mean, they are on steroids, they're tadpoles. And they're le- <laughs> they they have tadpoles the size of and I honestly mean this like the size of tablespoons. Like they were huge, weren't they, they were- right? Yeah. I- I've never seen anything it like was that. Somebody one time got one they'd like latched onto them and I just remember them getting out of the water with this huge thing dangling from their leg because it just latched onto them yeah I used to I remember picking them off from in between kids toes but you just had to pull them and you had to pull them real real hard <laughs> Abby what? oh that sounds so horrific like the, but they, the they people listening on. to this oh I know but also the ticks that was another thing that makes yeah. me think of camp america and i remember getting one behind my ear on my first night and crying and saying thinking i wanted to go home <laughs> and ticks is what can uh, gives you lyme disease right because that's yeah. how yeah. lyme disease and we all thought she was just being really dramatic and tired 
And then we realize, <laughs> okay, we really need to start with these sad stories. Cause like, I know, let's think of the good why stories. Why would I become America now? <laughs> yeah, I know, we're not selling it. No, the good are. story, oh, go on. So go on. I think um, from anyone listening to this, a lot of people like to sugarcoat things. And yes, camp was amazing. We've had so much fun as we've talked about, but there is also some realities that come with the camp side of things as well. So even though it might sound like we're having a couple negative stories, like um, Emily said before, the positive completely outweighs the negative and I couldn't recommend camp anymore. Sorry, Emily, what was you going to say? Completely. Um, a couple of things, just trying to think of the good times, you know, um, not that I'm struggling to think of them. <laughs> a couple of them was, uh, I think for some reason, because camp provided our accommodation and all of our meals, we mm-hmm. very, very rarely ever needed to leave the camp. And to be honest, we were working so much that you couldn't leave. But there yeah. must have been one time that we decided to go to Walmart and maybe buy some chocolate and some sweets and stuff. But we also went to an Aldi or a Lidl at some point. I think they oh, have Aldi yeah. out there in America. And I don't know how, but obviously we were like, oh, yeah, we'll have all this food. And then and we just didn't have enough money for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, someone's card got declined or something happened. Yeah. And um, in America, they were so lovely. The lady in front of us could obviously hear that we were like a few British girls going, oh, my God, we can't pay for the food. And um, took pity on us and paid for the whole thing. We loved food as well that's that was that that was chicago because that's why Mm. i always say that chicago is full of the nicest people because obviously that lady bought us all our groceries and then we went to the hotel that we paid for a nice hotel for fourth of july and then we booked a horrible hotel for the rest of the time and the lady at reception was like look i'm not letting you four girls go to this horrible hotel and Mm, then matched the price of the nice hotel so we could stay there a week so in my opinion chicago people are just so nice and generous so lovely and again for you who don't know chicago is almost split into two would you say so the south Chicago has got a lot of gun crime and gang like that and obviously us not knowing anything about chicago we (laughs) booked um, a hotel right in the middle of that (laughs) yeah so we had over fourth of july on camp that was called blackout week so we decided to go to chicago with a few friends and we ultimately had a really nice hotel for the 4th of July and then we booked this really horrible hotel. Um, but as Bobbin just said, the lady was very kind and when she heard where we were going, she was like, you are absolutely not going to that hotel because you might not come back alive. So yeah. I told you, Chicago Serious people, stuff though. Yeah. Serious, oh, serious stuff. She said even, I remember her saying, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even send my 18-year-old son down there with a gun. <laughs> she said, I wouldn't even send him down there. Yeah, no, I remember her saying, yeah. "If if the hotel here won't let you stay, then you're all gonna sleep on my on my living room floor." She was like, "You're yeah. not going there at no expense." Like, yeah. So yeah, do your research if you're traveling um, America, <laughs> <laughs> or just traveling in general. Definitely do your research, yeah. which is something I've learned as I've got older for sure. So actually, just touching on traveling, I know you've both traveled outside of Camp America. Just tell me a little bit about where you've been, and I'll tell my story after as well. Emily? <laughs> okay, so I like to uh, work and travel, to be honest, um, just because who doesn't like money? Um, but <laughs> it might not be the exact same experience. So the first thing is, is actually after America, I did do three weeks of traveling down the east coast of America with a company called Trek America. And that mm. was incredible. And that's probably the only like true bit of, I guess, I guess it's called traveling 
down all the way down yeah, from New York where you live so you've definitely yeah yeah you've, you've, still, you've done loads well so I did we went down from New York down to Miami and we stopped off uh, you know on all, all the um states on the way down so that mm -hmm. was incredible and absolutely amazing and then I was supposed to fly from Miami and Miami was a little bit um in my opinion a little bit sketchy a little bit um I, I didn't feel very safe Miami yeah um people say oh you know and it was fine but I just I wanted to get out of there so I actually flew from New York but anyway then um got back to England and had you know itchy feet wanted to get away again so a couple of years later went and started working in France in Brittany for a company called Eurocamp um and then did the winter seasons so then started skiing um uh, running chalets in the Alps and that was amazing and just kept doing that so summer winter summer winter with like a two year a two week gap in between to come back to the UK you have your doctor's appointments, you get your car MOT'd, you chop your hair, you have your dentist appointments <laughs> and then back out again to France. So did that for three, three and a half years. Well, no, can three I years. Say, how can you sit yeah. there and say you've never travelled when you Yeah, I was thinking that. Like, in my opinion, travelling is like um, where you whack a backpack on. It might, this is just me, this is just me. And, and then just don't have any work to worry about. Whereas I had a sort of contract that I'd signed, so I had to right, work... Okay. You know, it was a job. I was going out to, to France because I had a job to do. But to be honest, you know, as I'm sure you can imagine, also had a great time experiencing different culture, like different, like uh, in the first year was Brittany. So it was all like lovely, beautiful little Brittany markets and things like that. Whereas in the last year, I went down to, right down to the south of France and experienced, well, it was practically Spain. It was on the border of Spain. So, you know, popped into, popped down to Barcelona, popped into Spain quite a bit because you could over oh, just, the, literally it was like, just drive straight over the border. <laughs> hey? Just casually like you do. Mm, yeah. And it, yeah, you just, um, yeah. So I suppose experienced it a little bit, but I really haven't been, you know, too far as I'm sure, Abby, Bobbin, you're about to explain all the amazing <laughs> stories that you have. No, well, okay. So the year after Camp America, I was studied, I was still at university. And that summer, I went traveling around Morocco for a month, which was the sketchiest thing I've ever done. That was <laughs> sketchy. Because we were just three 19-year-old girls. And m people don't travel around Morocco that often. It's not as common. Do your research. <laughs> and yeah, that's definitely a time I thought I should have done my research. Because we were just getting followed by people. Like, it was crazy. Um, and then after that, I just was really saving. Well, I was finished university and then I was just saving and waiting and I wanted to go to Australia and I was so set on going to Australia. So um, went by the Philippines and in Asia for a little bit for a few months on my own, which was great. And you just met so many people that like Asia was so friendly and nice mm -hmm. to travel alone. And then I got to Australia and I remember my first week, I hated it because it was a different type of traveling and everyone was there working. So you were in hostels and some people were working their normal jobs. So they weren't socializing and it wasn't cheap like it is in Asia. So you couldn't just go down to the bar. Hmm? I found Australia so expensive. Yeah, it's really expensive if you're not working. So it's a really different feel in hostels. And I didn't make friends to start, to be honest. And then I went and did some farm work and worked on a herb farm and picked coriander for four months and made great friends and ended up staying with them for the whole year. 
And then I moved to uh, then I moved to New Zealand for two years, actually with some of the people I met in Australia. And yeah, I've just come back this weekend from a big three and a half years away. And now you're stuck in quarantine. That's fun. And now I'm quarantining for another week. But you know, it's good to be home. <laughs> to the nice uh, rainy weather that has greeted you back here in England. <laughs> it's been quite sunny in Essex, you know. Oh, really? We've had rain for like the last week. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe I've just been lucky. <laughs> my background with traveling, um, kind of like Bob and I was still in uni when I was on camp. I came home, finished uni. Then after uni, I went traveling with one of my friends. We did Thailand, Singapore, Fiji, uh, Australia, and west coast america so san fran california those kind of places then we came home and that same i think we came home in like the october time and then that christmas we went back and we did christmas in new york and we went to chicago and wisconsin to visit actually some other people from camp and then mm. when i came home from that like bobbin had the travel bug and i ended up moving to america for two years as an au pair so between us all we've done a lot of traveling through various different things and just what kind of advice would you give anyone listening who is thinking about traveling like how has it impacted your life I just think it makes you more a confident person especially if you go on your own or even just with a friend and you realize you've got to talk to people and there's so many different people and different people that have got different lives and are interested in different yeah. things and it's so eye-opening because you do sometimes get a bit short-sighted when you're just seeing the same people that you went to school with, you grew up with in the same area. You do forget that there's a whole world out there of different people with different experiences. Yeah, I absolutely, I completely agree with that. I, I never went to university. And so I felt like I missed out on that sort of experience, friendship groups, partying and having a sort of uh, community I suppose so um, and my life was pretty much set after America my life was so set that that was what I was going to do for the rest of my life so when I did move to France everything changed like in a good way um, I was really really nervous I was on my own didn't know anyone didn't know where I was going didn't really know what to expect and um, I was really really nervous but as soon as I got there everyone put me at ease because we were all in the same boat you're not the only one who's feeling nervous on their own shy and lonely um because yeah you get there and then you go oh actually this is this is i'm, I'm normal and you, you meet <laughs> friends you meet potentially your future husband who knows um and yeah everything really can change i guess for me i just wanted the security of being able to earn and save whilst i did that sort of thing which um, makes sense that's quite a good point just to kind of stop on for a second people think like you mentioned that you see traveling as putting a backpack on and traveling without to travel and still earn money along the way even in certain industries like if you're a photographer or a videographer like you can do that as you travel and traveling doesn't have to be this big expense where you're just kind of hopping between hostels like you can make it work for you whatever your budget is yeah yeah I I made sure I was doing because I work in the costume industry I still wanted to have relevant experience because or else I felt like I was kind of wasting my degree a little bit um mm -hmm. so when I was in Australia I got to work for the opera house which was amazing 
um, cool. but just for a few months. Um, and then when I was in Queenstown in New Zealand, I worked in an, um, an alteration shop just to keep my sewing skills up. So even though I was traveling around and I did have lots of breaks, I still was trying to get my career going <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Also, when you work abroad, you, you have time off like you do now in, in normal Monday yeah. to Friday jobs. You, you get time off. And that is the time that, you know, go go book a mini trip, go to a different country. If you're working in France, pop to Spain. Like I, we went to Jersey just for the day when we were living in Brittany. And I know that sounds really like, oh, why, why would you do that? But honestly, being in, being surrounded by everything Euros and French for months, going to Jersey, which is obviously part of, oh God, don't quote me. Is it part of the British Isles? I don't know, it's part yeah. of some part of Britain. Um, it was amazing. And it was, just, I've never, would never have done that. And um, yeah, really great getting on a boat, you know, little experience. Um <laughs> Do you know what I think is important that I've learned being away as well, actually, is obviously when you're away, you do end up gravitating, not gravitating, you do end up making friends with other English people. And I realised mm -hmm. that actually I've travelled everywhere in New Zealand, up and down a number of times. I haven't travelled anywhere in England. I didn't know where anywhere I was. I haven't been to Scotland, Wales or Ireland. And it's so embarrassing because it's right on my doorstep. That's so true. So, so you don't have to go far to travel. You just have to soak it all up, I think, and look around. <laughs> Isn't that interesting, though? Yeah, it's, I just, it's crazy. And it's funny because when you meet New Zealanders as well, you're like, oh, you haven't been to Queenstown? And they're like, they, they say no. And I think, well, I haven't been to Leeds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a bit of a difference between Queenstown and Leeds, but the concept is the same. Um, <laughs> to quickly add on to everything you saying about like how what what traveling has brought to your life is I think there's something so important and relevant about meeting people from different countries because they just add so much to well I know for me they've added so much to my life just learning about their culture their language and how they've been raised and it's given me a different outlook and perspective on let's say non-English people living in the UK because I now understand their culture a little bit more so I know sometimes people might get a bit frustrated let's say I don't know, and this is me being really stereotypical, but like Chinese people don't know how to line up, for instance, or queue up, but that's because it's not part of their culture. And I, that's what? something that I've thought, yeah, like they don't, Japanese, like they are on it with their manners and stuff, but Chinese from what I've learned is their manners are so different and they're almost like crowd things as opposed to line up. So now if I see a Chinese person doing that in England, I'm more a bit lenient with it. Like I don't get as frustrated with it. That's such a good example. I yeah. never knew that. Yeah, me neither. You didn't know that? No, no idea. No, didn't know that. That's really strange. Oh, but, okay. Like, well, so what do they do? Like, what if the Apple store is opening at midnight? Like, how do they want? They all just cram through the door at the same they time? Would, like, the videos, they, like, crowd the door and they just pile in. Like, there's no system to it all and again this is me very stereotypical but like that's one of the things like we would instantly go in a queue and you'd get annoyed if somebody bumps the queue whereas that's just not a thing for them yeah mm. if you're a um, bit, bit off topic here and um you know you might want to leave this in you might not but when there's um two queues of traffic yeah you're on a, you're you both drive don't you yeah 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 you're um two you know two you're on a dual carriageway let's say two lanes of traffic and you're driving along and it says in 400 yards you're going to be merging yeah 
Yeah. Are you someone who starts indicating in they get super early on? Or are you someone <laughs> who's like, no, 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 uh, I'm going to use those 400 meet, meet, yards and scoot in right at the last min? What's your take on that? What do you... Depends what mood I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm in a good mood, I'll indicate soon. But if I'm, you know, I'm in a bit of a rush, i that person that chops you up. <laughs> no, I'll be at the way, way at the back of the queue. 100%. Really? Yeah, I'm just Probably that type won't. of, I'm just that type of driver. <laughs> yeah. I'm too scared. I get scared that people will beat me or get annoyed, even though it's silly because they're <laughs> in a car and it's absolutely fine. One of the worst yeah. things was when I was in Texas, I went out there. So as part of my visa requirements as, as an au pair, we had to do so many college hours. And one of the things that I could do was called travel college. So I could travel to a certain place and do so many hours of college. So I went to San Antonio in Texas and I went a couple of days early and hired a car just because I was like, if I'm going, I might as well, you know, yeah. go and explore. And I very quickly learned that Texas people do not let you switch lanes. Like once you're in the lane, you're in the lane. <laughs> and I remember driving around this road and my sat I kept saying, take the right exit and I couldn't get across. And I was driving around, but it was like a ring road. And I was honestly, I was driving around for like 40 minutes trying to get across and every time it's like, take this exit and I just drive straight past it because I couldn't get across and I was getting so frustrated so maybe I shouldn't be that person that chops people up because I know how frustrating it actually is on the other end of it but I just remember being yeah. in Texas I was so close to tears because I was on my own and I was like I just need to oh. get on that oh <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, that was just a I am um... have you ever driven in Germany that's scary on the autobahn Oh, it's so fast. They are they are like driving at um maybe a hundred and something, fifty miles an hour. Correct oh, wow. me if I'm wrong, but there they are really fast. So if you ever have to overtake, look in your, your rear view mirror and there's someone like that behind you, right up behind you, and then you got to, they they don't like you can't, you're not supposed to unless you're gonna absolutely floor it and you've got like a Ferrari, it's just not worth going to overtake. You sit behind <laughs> the caravans in the slow lane. I just hate driving. I just hate. I just hate driving. It's not something I enjoy at all. It gives me absolute stress. Like it's the only. I think it's the only thing I cry about. I cry because I got flashed oh, by I'm a camera. I got. I cried because I got flashed by a camera. But I was going twenty five in a thirty, and it was clearly the person going the other way. But I got home and I was just crying about it. And my mum was like, "What's wrong with you?" And I was like, "I was going twenty five in a thirty, and I think I got corks. Was going too slow." Oh. <laughs> We um talking about driving and being abroad, sort of linking the two there. Uh, I had to learn so. how to drive, drive on snow, um, mm. and we had to pick mm -hmm. up guests from the airport a lot and bring them back to the resort because so they would fly into Geneva, which by the way is in Switzerland, which yeah. I know is a really obvious thing to say, but in Switzerland they have really strict rules. So like with baby seats and you're not allowed to like just go into that country without having like a certain pass on the um, dashboard. Anyway, you can't, and you can't just like roll up to the airport. It's, it's really quite strict. So there were certain rules and regulations that you had to hit. Um, but one night there was, um, it was just really, really icy. And I had to get up the hill, up, the, up, up this mountain and I just couldn't, 
couldn't move and I was getting really stressed and yeah I cried I don't know what it is I'm sure we've all cried behind the wheel before and I just couldn't move the car because the wheels just kept spinning (gasps) so I had to put on these um they're called snow chains yeah uh, which are literally chains that go around your wheel but I I didn't really listen to the training properly and I my hat (laughs) when your hands are so cold listening or you know yeah and uh it backfired completely so middle of the night just trying to put these snow chains on and it was it was horrific completely like just thick deep snow and you just don't think that you'd ever have that scary feeling of thinking my my van is going backwards down a mountain in the snow in the dark (laughs) it's like called ice truckers that tv show and it's like at the extreme the oh yeah areas in the snow and things it sounds like that but Maybe oh yeah, not. it was just exactly so. Yeah, exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> but you're trying to be um, professional with the guests in the car, and you're but, like, "Yeah, I've got this." <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I don't got this. <laughs> well, on that note, we will end it there. But thank you so much for coming on, and just to anyone listening, and I, I just want to kind of reiterate the importance of traveling, positive and negative things. Um. <laughs> But there's just so much more to life than being in your hometown, whether it's what Bobbin said, being in the UK or whether it's kind of going further afield like we have. We have so many stories. We have so much fun. Kind of even 10 years later, we come back together and just talk about all our stories that we have. And one thing I will say is if you are traveling, please make like a travel diary because before we started recording this podcast, we had a bit of a catch up and we had so much fun reading the diaries and even though they were so cringy it's just so much fun because there was so much that we forgot about and we didn't necessarily remember right yeah it was so nice just to hear and also to hear how each of us have written it down (laughs) yeah because Emily was talking to her diary as if it was like an actual person (laughs) yeah I think on one of them it's like dear diary and I put omg I cannot believe I haven't told you this yet it was like (laughs) that's how it starts one of the days (laughs) um I I was gonna say one more thing is that um if you're nervous about going traveling either um you know if if you really want to you could go with a friend but Mm -hmm. something I would recommend is if you can if you can push it go on your own because as much as they might be your best closest friend or maybe a family member you are your own person and you're never always going to agree on the same thing all the time so if you want to for example go to a market one day and the person that you're with doesn't want to it you know things like that or Mm. you know traveling even further afield um and the other thing is uh you could go quite close like the first thing I did was I'll I'll go to Brittany um which is practically England let's be honest it's so so close but you know I did that like dip my toe over the water and then it's like oh okay I'll, I'll go a bit further I'll go a bit further and it might mean that it, you know, builds your confidence to go further afield in the future. So that's do, another little... Do you think it's interesting that all of us have been travelling, but we did all go to Camp America on our own, but we did it through an organised company. Mm-hmm. So that took yes. a lot of stress off of going, even though we were on our own, we knew we were going where other people would be. We knew the all the travel arrangements were organised. And that was kind of all of our first step to then go and travel that's on our true. own after. So I highly recommend it, especially if you're 18 like we were and a bit nervous yeah yeah so true actually and there's so many organizations out there just for even random things that you might not even expect to just put it in google if if you like skiing like emily just well did you like skiing or did you just happen to go on a ski season (laughs) i happened to go on a ski season 
Mm. Okay, so you don't yeah. even necessarily have to be good at the sport. Oh, gosh, no. On, or you don't even necessarily have to like it. Like, that's part of the fun of traveling is exploring and trying all these new things. And yeah, just thank you both so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks um, so much. You're welcome. And I it's was been very- brilliant. Yes, yeah, so it's good. been brilliant fun. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. <laughs> Bye. How much fun are Emily and Bobbin? I just love those girls so much. I just have so many memories with them and we always have so much fun and laughter when we get together and start talking about camp. And even in the years after being on camp, we've still kept in contact, obviously, though, on this podcast. And we did meet up um, before Aunt Rona came in town. Um, and yeah, it's just been so much fun. It's nice to meet friends and to just enjoy these experiences and I hope for anyone listening that if you are inspired to go on camp or if you're thinking of traveling please absolutely do it I can't recommend traveling enough we've all had so many great experiences and met so many people along the way and I highly encourage anyone to do it even if it's local even if it's short term it doesn't have to be this big thing where you throw on a backpack and travel the world for a year two years it can simply be just getting out of your hometown and going to a small village or a city near you i will also find the images of my near-death experience and i'm going to put them on my blog post which i will link down below so be sure to go check that out or I will also put them on the my podcast Instagram, which is opening up with Rachel. So please go check that out because I'm definitely not lying. I nearly died. Um, I know I was laughing about it now, but at the time it was very serious. But yeah, please go check it out and let me know what you think. And if you have any near-death experiences, I would is love to know them the right word. I would like to know them. Um, but yeah. Go follow me on Instagram, opening up with Rachel or my personal one, Rachel Smith underscore one. But until next time, bye. Thank you for listening to Opening Up with Rachel Smith. I hope to see you back for future episodes so we can all continue growing and figuring this thing called life out.